welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 24. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. Wolfman Josh. How's it going, Jay? It's good, buddy. Thanks for being here. I know everybody's really busy. And I'm certain that the listeners have missed you guys. They have said so. I've been doing a lot of solo casts for this. But will you guys at least just go to bat for me and tell them that we, we've been really recorded some really good Halloween yeah, reviews. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We're, we're getting ready for, for October. That's the big month. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're sitting down. We're, we're getting things, you know, we, and some of those shows. And it's funny because now I'm trying to remember, okay, what, where are we? What do we talk about? You know, I'm, I'm trying to just <laughs> keep everything sort of in that capsule. Uh, not discuss any previous shows or, or any, any upcoming themes or anything like that. But, but it, it gets a little bit uh, confusing, um, you know, because we're recording this, uh, having just recorded uh, another one of those uh, shows for Halloween. So mm-hmm. uh, there's, it, it will definitely pay off in the end. For everybody, Big time. I Big time. Yeah, so- Plus, if, if all goes well, we'll have another one of our themed episodes before even the Halloween episodes drop. That's so right. that should be exciting as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's great. So we appreciate everyone's patience. And I know this particular episode that we're recording right now will probably be a little thinner on content. But I mean, when we got things like a 90-minute review of Halloween 3, that's not too shabby with a great no. guest, by the way. So Right. Absolutely. Okay, so just to give you a quick overview of how this episode's going to run, first, I'm going to kick it off with my buddies here. We're going to talk about a new indie horror film called Sacrament from 2014. And then I have a little beastly freak segment with this new film called Animal. Can't wait to tell you about that one. And then finally, we'll wrap up with a feature review of As Above, So Below, which is brand new in theaters just this weekend. And we'll have special guest host, One Sick Puppy, from the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast there to help us with that. We've gathered here tonight for a real quick review. And before we jump into that, I just want to read this quick email here from a new fan from Portland, Oregon. And this is from Allison. And she says, hey guys, I just discovered HMP a few weeks ago and have really been enjoying all the episodes. I especially like the Proto Slasher podcast and love hearing about horror movie history. I would love to hear more themed episodes, and I second the listener who requested a Lovecraftian show with In the Mouth of Madness, perhaps. I would also oh, love never. the. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys? Did you guys know that I I vowed to never watch In the Mouth of Madness? I knew I, that. I, that that and The Exorcist are the two, yeah. right? Okay, yep. yeah. But, <laughs> but we'll keep working. Well, I haven't you. vowed not to watch The Exorcist. I'm just too chair scared to watch The Exorcist. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, what is it? What is it again within the Mouth of Madness? Well, is it a fear I, thing, or is it just? Yeah, a, I just a, believe that you know. If I do watch it, I will, you know, it will be the same situation as basically the, the plot of the movie. My entire life will have been, <laughs> have led up to everyone trying to trick me into seeing that film. So I'll go mad. <laughs> oh, poor Joshua. And it, it is a good movie though. I did. I watched it um, for the blog not too long ago and it, I enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's definitely different and it's definitely, uh, it is a, does play with your mind, you mm. know, so. 
It's <laughs> Lovecraft would be great though. Yeah, see, yeah, we, we really should, right? I mean, because that's one of those things we that can you... we we can watch the curse with Will Wheaton. Yeah, and this isn't a theme that anybody's clamoring for except for myself. But um, with the recent Blu-ray release of Only Lovers Left Alive, I'm I'm getting ready to do my uh, art house vampire show when you guys, whenever you guys are ready. So we can totally do that if you want to. Yeah, I'm in. Be interesting. We can do the arty vampire stuff. Yeah, arty um, vampire stuff. There, there you go. That'll be the name of the show. Arty vampire stuff. Arty vampire. <laughs> yes. Now, um, Allison continues in her email. Sorry, Allison, we get distracted easily. But she said, I would also love to hear ratings of some horror anthologies, although I know many are fairly cheesy. Have you ever done a show on folk magic themed horror? Neat. Mm, that's a cool oh, idea. That is a good idea. Yeah, now that's that's super interesting. I'm looking forward to to the October podcast and appreciate the work you put into the show. I am an artist who works from home and I'm always grateful to have something worthwhile to listen to. I'll definitely be making a donation. So thanks ahead of time, Allison. That's super nice. It's awesome. Yeah, we appreciate absolutely. you. Folk magic uh, episode would be a lot of fun. Um, I also on the message boards, I don't know if we've discussed it on the show, but one of our listeners suggested we do a cryptozoic episode where we talk about not only Bigfoot, but Loch Ness and all these other Kind of, you know, Jersey Ooh. Devil and that kind of stuff. I think that would be a lot of fun as well. Uh, what, what was the Jersey, that Jersey Devil, the last broadcast, I uh. think, uh, was about the Jersey Devil, uh, which was the supposedly the, uh, the found footage film that predates Blair Witch Project mm. by a year. I think it was released the mm -hmm. year before the Blair Witch Project. Loch Ness said, what would we do? Like, uh, incident There's not Loch really a Ness? good Loch Ness movie. <laughs> well, in, incident, at, incident at Loch Ness, the, uh, the, the, the Werner <laughs> Herzog. Herzog. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good movie. I don't know that it classifies as horror. As I a few think there was one in the seven. I think there was like a late 70s movie that was pretty good. I, I did like start doing some research into this, and um, okay. I've got a list nice. of movies I'll, I'll send over to you guys. Well, well, definitely the Barons would be on there for the Jersey Devil one, because, man, I love that movie. Cool. But I, I, there's something about, you know, and that that actually gets to me a little bit watching the things about like um, the last broadcast. I didn't really enjoy that one. We covered that on, uh, I think it was Horror Jungle. We covered the last broadcast. And I can't say that I was a big fan of the movie, but there is something about those movies set in that area of New Jersey because I drive through that every time when I'm when I'm heading down to the, you know, to the Jersey Shore. You go have to go right through the Barrens. You go right through those Pinelands. Mm -hmm. And for, for miles and miles, and they take up so much of the southern part of that state. It really does kind of <laughs> give me the creeps. And I'm driving through it in broad daylight, you know, but I can't help thinking about those kind of movies as I'm doing it. So uh, that could be interesting, too. And, and the Barons would be a good one to put on there, definitely. Yeah, so I love that idea. Uh -huh. yeah. And it's my turn after Doc, so maybe, maybe. Go. I mean, I, I have like three six theme episodes I'm really excited about, so... Okay, that's going on the list, though. Okay, well, let's move into um, this week's feature review of a film called Sacrament. Okay, guys, now this film called Sacrament is from... 2014, and this is not to be confused with The Sacrament, which was Ty West's new film that Josh and I fought about like half the year. Right, Josh? 
<laughs> but this is a different film. This is written and directed by Sean Ewart. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But this stars um, Marilyn Burns. It's actually, if you look at her IMDb, it is her second to last film. I guess the very final film that she appears in is called In a Madman's World, and that's still in post-production. Um, I don't really know much about that one, but Sacrament, and that's like a biography and a drama, so that might not even be horror. So this may be her very final horror film appearance. Is that is that how you guys understand it? That's what I get from my research. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Yeah, and it's funny because she's there with with a a co star from uh, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. Mm-hmm. Another one of her uh, this uh, well, I wouldn't say a star. I think it's the guy who drove the truck <laughs> at the end of the movie, right? Right, but still, yeah, he's yeah, still he's he's he's, he's <laughs> integral. I mean, people know him. Uh, you know, so he's in this movie as well. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I love Doctor Shock. How you have the ability to pick out really obscure actors, and you can place where you saw them. Like Doc Shock, I've heard him say things like he was on an episode of Howdy Doody back in 1957. <laughs> like, wow, I don't know that. Well, I don't know that I've gone that far. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen Howdy Doody. <laughs> just, but it's amazing how you can do that. It's like an encyclopedia. Well, I'm not going to go into it. Yeah, well, I, that's, that's, <laughs> well I, I appreciate that, Jay. But, uh, you know, I, I, this one, I happened to do a little bit of research on it, too, because I was trying to say they said there were two actors from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I found out who the, who the second one was. Well, I'll tell you what caught my attention. I mean, I had heard that Marilyn Burns is in this film called Sacrament. And the fact that there was a second Sacrament film out this year that was interesting to me. Yep. But on the cover art, it has, you know, a piece of raw meat. And then it says, um, I guess their tagline is Sinners for Dinner. And so apparently it's some kind of a cannibal movie. And that, that was my first impression of this. So I'm like, okay, Marilyn Burns is in it. And she's, you know, this is before she had died when I discovered this film. And I'm like, she's got to be getting up there. And then it's a cannibal movie. That's super interesting to me. And so um, we had the opportunity to watch The Sacrament. So I don't think this movie, this movie hasn't been officially released yet. It does have a rating on IMDb. Yeah, I mean. I'm guessing it's from people like us who have seen it as opposed to uh, you know, anything else, you know, because. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's played some festivals already. But like, um, according to IMDb, you know, its release date was officially in June of 2014. And I guess it uh-huh. had its premiere down in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Shock, you have a special talent for giving plot summaries. Would you like to describe the premise to this film? I certainly would. We have Sacrament here from 2014. Uh, it's, what it is is this group of friends, uh, and it really is a very diverse group of friends. And what they're doing is they're, they're heading out. They're heading to a beach, and they're, they're going to get together, and they're driving two separate cars, and they're heading out to the beach. Uh, well, they end up... Uh, Passing through this this town where it's it's a very I'd say it's a very conservative town. It's a very uh, religious uh, religiously conservative town, um, you know, down south. Uh, and they decide that they're going to spend the night there. But uh, what's really interesting is that aside from being religiously conservative, uh, they also have a very special recipe for their local dishes. 
Um, and let's just say, think of, um, you know, the, uh, the, what was the recent, um, Motel Hell. <laughs> well, Motel Hell is, is a good one to think of, but I'm also thinking of, um, what is it? We are what we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, somewhere along that line. Uh, but at the same time, we have this other story that's going on about this guy who was passing through town. This is how the movie opens, actually. This guy's passing through town. And he comes up as this older gentleman. He says his car's broken down. He gets out to help him. And, of course, you get the whole uh, hit on the back of the head. Um, and then he's uh, being held captive. Well, this story goes along with him and his his mother. You know, he's um, taken, you know, he finally does escape. He ends up in the jailhouse. He makes a call to his mother who comes down to see him. But we sort of find out how all of these uh, people interrelate um, and who's involved and what's going on in this town and how many people are involved in it. Uh, in their story, plus what happens to these kids, you really see what happens early on to this, this guy and his mother, and then the kids sort of come in afterwards, and it takes it from there. Uh, and it's, it, it's not mm, – different things happen you know, to, to different people. Um, eh, anyway, I think that's about as far as I'll go with it. I don't want to take it any further than that. Okay. Can we start on talking about that intro character, that the first quote-unquote victim – uh-huh. Now, see, one of my favorite things in the cinema is how movies, I mean, films are a reductive medium, first of all, and a lot of times they have to establish certain things. Like, it's common in all genres to see a character who's presumably good at something, and then, like, like maybe they're an attorney, for example, and then we see them, like, close a case in the opening of the movie, and they're really efficient at it, and blah, 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 and then when we get into the main story of the movie, we see this person dealing with a really hard case, but they've established their competence in the beginning. Well, horror does this too by having the monster or the killer take out or attack, you know, victims right in the beginning. And usually these aren't our main characters. These are like side characters that don't really matter. Well, what I like about what they did with this, this particular example of a character is, you know, he kind of, he's really neat. And I, I like what they do with this guy, even though he's not one of the main crew of the friends. Uh-huh. Um, this guy is kind of a survivor and a fighter. And um, I was kind of engaged. I, I liked the look of him. I liked his personality. You know, he would say things and I'm like, that's exactly what I would have said right then. <laughs> like, cause uh-huh. he gets really frustrated and it, and it's one of the m- most hardcore scenes um, pertains to him, and um, it, it's pretty amazing. So I do like that character. Well, I had kind of an opposite experience. I, I should wow. say I didn't finish the film, um, not because I didn't want to. I just ran out of time, uh, so I, I'm not going to rate it. But I was a little bit worried about this movie when it first started, based on that first scene. Um, I just, you know, it, it, it's a low budget film. It's an independent film, and I was a little bit worried about the production values in that first scene. I thought, Oof, this is going to be rough this looks like someone just shot it on handy cam and with you know non-professional actors and but it actually got a lot better after that yeah um, and and it's interchangeably you know it's a little bit hit or miss i think there are some scenes that look really really bad and there's a lot of it that looks actually pretty impressive for what i imagine was a pretty low budget so um but yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear that you liked where that character went because I wasn't super impressed at the beginning. Yeah, I just think that um, 
you know, and, and I won't reveal any spoilers at all, but I, I really was disappointed like later in the film, I felt like they lost their nerve. I was super impressed with what they were doing with this character who's not even uh-huh. a main character. But then I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, so close. But anyway, but I, I want to agree with you, Josh, what you said. I mean, I was worried about the film as it opened too, because yeah, it's clear that it is like low budget indie. But as you said, there's something about these movies like uh, All Hallows Eve, for example, where you can tell certain movies have heart. And honestly, I don't know how much that counts to the average horror fan or the average viewer. But as a film critic, I appreciate a film that has heart. And I think that clearly, you know, when this film is being made, there's definitely like, you could tell this, that Sean Ewart, who's the writer-director, you could tell that he's a genuine horror fan, or I would assume he is. Otherwise, he's Uh faking very well because some of the sequences in here are um, pretty good horror stuff. But what did you think, Doc? Um, no, I, you know what? I, I am along the lines with you. There were things about this movie that I thought were really pretty good. One negative I would have is that I thought that most scenes went just a little too long. Mm-hmm. With- you know, let's, uh, let's take a look. There, there's one scene, and this happens fairly early on. I don't know if this would be a spoiler, but the, the, the guy we were talking about from the first scene, uh, he, fin- he ends up um, trapped in mm-hmm. a cellar and he's handcuffed to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we had to watch him trying to rest, you know, get this thing off, like break free of the wall a little bit too long before he tried what he ultimately tried. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, I mean, uh, this movie, as it stands right now, the version that we've seen, and and we have to say that this is like almost like a screener copy. I'm assuming this is the final cut of the movie. I'm I'm guessing this is the final cut of the movie. According to the website of the movie, um, they, they had their premiere, but based on some like audience reactions and things they saw, they're going to go back and, and change a few, make a few changes to it. So I would think it's almost, it's almost an hour, 50 minutes Mm -hmm. in a movie that felt like it could have been told in an hour 20 to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that too. Yeah. There's definitely some pacing, but my biggest complaint in terms of that. You know, I'm not here to just attack this movie, but uh, the thing that I really need to say is that, um, you know, I think some of the the audio work, like the sound design stuff, or Uh I don't know if they had time or the budget to do ADR, but, you know, like they'll have people talking outside, and you could tell they re-recorded that, but they clearly are inside a room that's even a little bit echoey. And it's it's very distracting because you see characters standing out in the open air and there's a little bit of echo. And then I thought I perceived one moment where there's actually dialogue where one of the characters is speaking, but there's no sound at all coming out of her mouth. And you, I think she was mouthing it. I know exactly what you're talking when about. When she's in the car and they... I th- and I think she's mouthing to the mirror. Yeah. Um, I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same thing as you did, but I think <laughs> what she was doing is she didn't want to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had she had made a comment about something that that uh, hit one character a little close to home, and the other characters kind of shot her a look, saying, "What are you bringing that up for?" Mm-hmm. And I think she was like looking in the mirror to the driver who was looking at her in the mirror, and I think she sort of mouthed, "I'm sorry." And that's what I think it was because I know exactly what you're talking about. Originally, I thought, "Wow, she didn't say anything." Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think right. that might have been a little bit of a weakness with the actress because there's a way to convey that. Yeah. Of like, I'm sorry, and I don't think she did. I think she just sort of flat out said, and I think that's part of why we had that feeling. Okay. I don't I gotcha. think I don't think she handled that very well. I got you. 
Okay. There are a few really great performances in this, which is always fun to see in a film yeah. um, that's so small. You know, I feel like there are a couple people who could really be breakouts out of this movie. Um, you know, and not the least of which is someone who doesn't need to break out, but um, or I guess can't. That sounds terrible. Um, but, <laughs> I but Marilyn right. Burns has a nice turn in this film as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, her role is smaller, but what you know, what what they put her to work doing in this film is uh, pretty effective, actually. So uh-huh. I, I did like her appearance in this film. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you the most n- notable thing to me about sacrament here is actually the two of the lead characters are um homosexual okay they're males and they are um you know this plays kind of a a major role in the film i personally haven't seen a lot of horror movies with homosexual characters in there and i just wanted to get your feelings generally because you guys are more articulate than i am what Uh, what did you think about the way this was addressed in the film i thought it was really interesting and you know you you um i'm with you you don't usually see it a lot of times unfortunately when they are they're sort of the comic relief you know and i'm going back to the 80s movies and the 70s and 80s movies with this i don't really think modern movies have done that but um yeah they're portrayed they're basically what amounts to being the 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 main characters Mm -hmm. Are, are is this is this homosexual couple uh, and it's right out there. I mean, they're not, they're not, uh, there's no beating around the bush. And that oh, opening it's scene, out there, right. <laughs> it's, it's out there. And that opening scene, right. there, uh, yes, everything is out there. Um, <laughs> but so that, I, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was a very interesting uh, decision, you know, you know, to, uh, to do that. But like, I, that's what I was saying in, in, in the synopsis, how very diverse <laughs> this, this group of characters is. Mm-hmm. You know, and they are incredibly diverse with with you know just just the dynamics of this group. Yeah, um, and even the uh, casting of the group too. I mean, a lot of times you get a a certain I don't know look to a character, but these people just look like regular people to me. They look like they, they really do, like yes, your own really friends do. that you'd have your own group of friends. They just look normal, yep. and um, so that gave the film a little bit of um extra realism to me. Just I mean, let's be honest, other than what would be the, the two homosexual characters, I mean, there's no <laughs> great looking people in this movie. You, you know, like in a lot of horror movies that come out of, come out of Hollywood, right. the, the, the teen characters are, are, they, they were lifted off of the, the page of Maxim and, and, and GQ <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, this movie, you don't get that. I mean, these, like you're saying, Jay, these are people these are just sort of regular looking people. They're not worrying about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, and what I think is really interesting, and I think maybe uh, some of Hollywood could take, take note of this is you still are invested in these characters. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter that they don't look as if, you know, they were that, that they're, they're leaving this movie and going to do a shoot uh, on a beach somewhere, you know, uh, for, 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 for GQ or, or whatever. They, they don't have that appearance to them, and yet you still become invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, even, it, with that aside, and I think that's very interesting because I don't think a Hollywood movie would dare have these sort of characters. Mm. At least not as the main ones that we're following. Right. Yeah. Does it add to it for you, or just is it just kind of a neutral thing for you? <laughs> well, how are you asking me this question? what angle are you realism of the characters is that a is that a positive or 
would you just rather see more attractive people <laughs> on you know on the beach <laughs> Boy, I, I mean if we're, if we're getting right down to it I, I would have rather had a different uh first nude scene <laughs> Yes, I would agree with that, too. Honestly, I think that's kind of cool, though, along the lines of what you were saying. It's just something you would almost never see in a horror movie. Exactly. But and you so, do here. Like, yeah, you do. And it's not that I was do. super excited about it or anything, but I, I do think it's, um, I don't know, it's it shows an unwillingness to kind of compromise from the filmmaker, which I like. And I would even suggest that first scene you were talking about, Doc, where he's kind of trying to escape. I feel like that shows kind of... Again, the filmmaker's kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Bold or confident, takes his time. Um, yeah. Sure-footed, self-assured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Commitment to the story he wants to tell. There you go. Right. Okay. That was I, my I, next thing. <laughs> I mean, if anything, like I said, and I liked where that eventually went with that scene. Oh, yeah. And, and what the guy eventually, eventually did. The only thing I thought was kind of interesting is it looked like at the time, and this is maybe just the way it was set up, that he was in the back of that cellar. Mm -hmm. And before I would have made a commitment to do that, I would have made damn sure that I could get out the front door (laughs) before I would go to that extreme. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I was just thinking, what if he does this, then he comes up to a locked door and he's beating on a locked door, (laughs) you know, just from the where it was being shot, you got that sort of impression. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that he was in the back of this cellar. And I would have been like, I hope this guy knows that he can get right out the door if he's going to go to this, if he's going to take it to that level. Well, I will say something else about this, too. I mean, by the way, that was my favorite gory type of scene. It was in that mm-hmm. cellar in the beginning because um, I really did love that character. But this movie, actually, even though it's indie, low budget and so forth, what I mean by it has heart is it, it made me flinch a few times. Like mm-hmm. um, there were there were image. There's imagery in it that's disturbing or grotesque, and it's like, okay, they they really went there with that, and um, those people are committed. And so, anyway, I guess I, I can respect that for sure. And, and plus, this whole concept of a group of people, like this town in Texas, and, and especially the, this church, that scares me. Like, churches like you see in Red State or, like, the sacrament— like when you get these zealots that are actually like dangerous. I'm with you on that one. Man. That is one of the creepiest to me. That is extremely creepy when, when you get them and, and they're just, and even the way that, that it opened with that old time religion song, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the scenes they were showing with that. Yeah. They showed like snake handler churches, like in Holy ghost. People yeah. And stuff I, like I, that. I think probably the one that got me was the, Guy with the the plates in his lips who kind of looked like a duck. Wow! Yes, you know that was the, the the extremes that some people go to, and and just that that sort of down home. I have a I have a a, a bunch of like a, a CD of recordings of Woody Guthrie. He sings that song, you know. So that this is sort of like a a real sort of down home Americana tune with what I consider some pretty disturbing images over top of it, but it really does fit. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So, and I even liked, um, there's some, later in the film, you get some infighting within the group of the church that's kind of freaky as well. I mean, that goes some yes. some pretty cool places. So, mm-hmm. 
But anyways, uh, let's just kind of, I know Josh didn't get to finish watching the film, so he's not going to rate it. But do you have any just final thoughts that you'd like to tell the listeners about Sacrament, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I would just reiterate, um, you know, I felt like the gore that was in there was effective. I liked the characterizations. I liked the, the leads. I thought they were solid actors, young actors. And I think to be able to get some performances out of a film that's so clearly low budget um, is impressive. And, you know, the camera work was pretty hit or miss. Um, you know, there were some really weak moments, but there was some other stuff that you thought, I thought, you know, it was pretty good. And if this guy had a budget, maybe he'd, uh, he'd be able to do something with it. You know, some of my favorite, you know, filmmakers are part of this mumblecore movement. And if you watch uh, Baghead, that movie looks way worse than this. So <laughs> who knows, you know, there might be these guys, this guy, uh, might be very talented given the given the, a legitimate budget and maybe a, being able to replace a few of the cast members that weren't as strong. So I, I think this is a a good effort um, from an independent filmmaker. It's not you know it's it's far from perfect, and there are going to be a lot of people who have never watched anything that's this low budget. This I'm sure this feel, will feel like a big turnoff. It feels very much like. Mm-hmm. You know, something that, you know, it doesn't feel like a movie you'd see in theaters or anything. Yeah, it's it's I rough think, around the edges. Yeah, but I would also say at the same time, with the proliferation of uh, found footage, it looks as good as a lot of those do, you know, if not better, right. because it's actually <laughs> attempting to, uh, you know, use the camera well and stuff. So I think people are kind of used to this look, I guess is what I would say. Well said. Yeah, I mean, it typically, and I feel bad about it usually when this happens, but I, I typically don't have a lot of patience for a film with these kind of um, limitations that you see. But I will say that Sacrament from 2014 here, I, I still was impressed with the heart and some of the imagery that I saw because I still found it to be disturbing. And so for me, I give it like a 4.5 out of 10. And I'd, I'd still call it a, a you know rental, low priority rental. But I still think that if you can uh, appreciate indie horror and... I think it's worth your time. And if the sound quality, you know, if the the audio in it had been just, you know, a touch better, that's what bothered me the most. If Then I'd probably even be up to a five on it. What do you say, Dr. Shock? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. I'm going to go with, um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to say a 5.5. I'm going to go just a little above average because I, I agree with Josh. I think that there are, th- are times when this film looks pretty good you know for for the for the level of of uh of i guess the independent the uh independent movie i mean you know we've obviously seen the worst of the worst in something like you know jean gal why not just make that sound french jean gal you said it Um, so beautifully yeah much more beautifully than it deserved um but that's like okay some guy picking up picking up a camera with uh, with a tape that he picked up for ninety nine cents at, at at CVS and popping it in there and that's what that's going to look like. This is better than that. It is still indie in some respects, like you were saying, Jay. Yeah, the sound gets a little bit iffy at times, but the ideas going on in this movie, I think, worked. The the, the story itself, the um the the type of horror movie it is, I think, is effective, and it's kind of interesting that both movies named the Sacrament are not completely dissimilar from each other, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with yep. their, with their basic themes. And yeah, some of the, some of the scares in this are, and there's a really hardcore scene where you have a couple, 
without going too much into detail, you have this couple uh, at uh, by the side of a lake who are interrupted, and then something happens, and you're watching. Go, wow, that's that was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. You know what what happens in that scene? I thought was was pretty intense. Josh, you might not have gotten that. It was definitely later in the movie. Um, but it, it was it's right about where I turned it off. So I didn't okay. see the conclusion of that, okay. the climax, if you will. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Well okay. done. Very, very good. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> right. Um, but if I, like, I, if there was one issue I had, it's that pretty much every scene could have been, uh, maybe not every scene, but it felt like every scene could have had a little bit trimmed out of it. There was a little bit of fat in, 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 most scene, most of the scenes in this movie had a little bit of fat that could have been trimmed off. I think for a movie of this nature, uh, an hour fifty minutes is way too long. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and I think you could you could drop you could drop a half hour, still keep all of the core of what's happening here, still keep the character development, which I thought was important. I don't, I, but there's there's just things here that that you can trim off and still have an effective movie and I think have a better movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. All right. So that's our review of Sacrament from 2014. And Josh, do you know what the distribution is on this or when people will be able to check it out if they want to seek it? Um, just, you know, I'm only basing this on the film's official website. I'm not sure how long ago this was updated, but they had... Their premiere a uh, place called the Texas Theater, which is apparently a kind of a famous movie theater. And then they said they were making changes to the film based on, you know, the reception and what they noticed seeing it on the big screen. And then they were going to continue with a kind of a typical film festival and indie distribution model. So that's all right. that's all we know at this time. And what is that website? Just there so is a f- there is a um Facebook page though that I, I bet has more updated information. Okay. Um, I'm looking at it at right left turn productions. That's okay. right. Left turn productions.com. And then uh, if you click on projects, you can find out about all of the, the movies they have. Um, they have an upcoming film called grease paint, um, a short film called Jack's bad day that apparently won several awards and then sacrament. And uh, okay. Yeah. I'll link those in the show notes in case people want to check it out and follow its progress. And that's it. So thanks, guys. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we call it a night? Um, real quick, I did want to mention something. I have come up with something I'm going to be doing on uh, DVDinfatuation.com for the month of October. Nice. I am. This is. I, I've always avoided doing this because one of the things I like about doing the blog is the randomness of it. That I can just pick a movie out of my collection and say, okay, here's the one I'm going to. Uh, watch. There have been times when I have attempted to plan things out, and I always abandon that after a day or two, just because I I enjoy the randomness. I enjoy saying I don't know what movie is coming up next. Let me take a look. That said, I do have a specific plan in place for October. Obviously, the the month of horror. I will be, and I did do this the very first year, but I'm doing something even a little bit different this time, is I will be doing a horror movie a day throughout October. So it'll be like all 31 days of October. It will be a horror movie, but it's even going to go a little bit further than when I did the first year. It is going to be a horror movie from 2000 or later. 
Ooh. I'm going to be looking at newer horror movies. I'm going to avoid um, anything pre-2000. Nice. Uh, and the reason is, is because I just keep looking and saying, oh, there's one I want to watch. Yes, I want to put that one in there. And all of them are more recent horror movies. They're not all going to be obscure. Some of them will. But they're not all going to be obscure horror movies. You know, I will be looking at a few uh, well-known ones. But there will be some obscure ones in there as well. Like, I just have this collection of... And I'm not even talking about my, you know, my indie slog here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking <laughs> about other movies that, um, that I look and say, yes, that's one I want to uh, cover on the blog. That's one I want to cover on the blog. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, wow, a lot of these are horror movies that are more recent. And um, I just thought it would be kind of interesting to dedicate, and October's the month to do it, dedicate the month to it and just cover those sort of that uh, time period uh, of, the, of the horror genre. Uh, for the entire month. So that's what uh, my plan is at this point. I like um, and that. I, well, I've announced it now, so that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So it'll be like a 31 days of horror, but more recent um, horror movies. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you cover. And listeners, you can find that at dvdinfatuation.com every single day in October. Well, and every single day in general, right? Don't every single day in general, <laughs> yes. But uh, this particular it's in october it's going to be um it's going to be horror and it's going to be and like i said i did that the very first year and i think that was one of the things that um uh, caught bill shetty's attention when he invited me to planet macabre mm-hmm. uh, was that in october then i had done it but i had gone all over the place i had i had did i did the the mummy um nice. oh no wait that was a different that was later that was something i had done after the fact but <laughs> i did movies like the first day it was poltergeist uh, and I, I went back into the 50s and I was doing classic. I was going all over the place for the, for the month. Gotcha. Um, but this time it's, it's going to be a little more focused. Right. Well, that sounds good. I'm excited about it. So we're going to be giving some pretty good horror content out there in October between our Halloween episodes and right. your blog. And I wanted to say this too, Josh, just tell the listeners this. Horror Movie Podcast has about three times as many listeners, apparently, <laughs> as Movie Podcast Weekly. But over there on Movie Podcast Weekly, we just hit 100 episodes, which we're really proud of that. That's and awesome. the other thing is I'm changing my segment, my recommendation segment. And what I'm doing is, well, I kind of want to have some suspense, you know, like Hitchcock. But <laughs> basically, I'm changing what it is. It used to be creeps and crime, which meant it could be a horror movie or a crime film. But now it's just going to be strictly horror related. And because I'm preparing for something major on this podcast, I won't be recycling those reviews over here in this show until we do the big giant thing that we have planned in the future. That sounded vague and irritating, huh, Josh? (laughs) I'll just say this. We've been planning for a long time to do a best horror films of the 1970s decade for a long time. Part of the reason that just hasn't come together yet is I've just never felt like I've really spent enough time with 70s horror to have sufficient coverage or picks, you know, for my own personal choices. So my segment is going to be 1970s horror on Movie Podcast Weekly, if you guys want to check that out. Excellent.
Okay, for this next review, I'll be recording by myself, which is normal because it's my Beastly Freaks recommendation pick. And you'll notice that my audio quality is a little different. I'm recording from a remote location in downtown Salt Lake City, and I'll also be recording our next feature review of the movie As Above, So Below from the same place as well. So the audio will be a little bit different, but don't worry, back to normal next time. So without further delay, it's time for... Jay of the Dead's Beastly Freaks. Okay, this Beastly Freaks recommendation, and I do mean recommendation, is a new film called Animal from 2014. This was directed by Brett Simmons, and I picked up on this movie for a couple reasons. I mean, it's been out there a lot lately. You know, you'll see it advertised places, but also, more importantly, Brett Simmons is the guy who directed Husk which is that killer scarecrow movie we talked about recently that a lot of us liked. A lot of the listeners I know have chimed in on that too. Brett Simmons also edited this film. And just an interesting side note, Drew Barrymore is an executive producer on it. So here's the premise for Animal. You got this group of friends, guys and gals, of course, they go out to the forest for a hike and they are preyed upon by a ferocious beastly freak. So they end up finding this cabin to hole up in, which turns out to have other refugees who are also hiding from the animal. Now, the first thing I got to tell you about this movie is its sound design is incredible. This is one of the best horror films in terms of sound design that I've heard in a long time, at least specifically for the sounds that the beastly freak makes. This animal creature is just horrifying. I mean, it's not that it just sounds like a bear, although it does sound like a bear, but I mean, it sounds ferocious, it sounds huge, it sounds scary, so I recommend it. When you watch this, watch it on a great sound system and turn it way up because you want to hear this thing growl in your ears, and when you hear it running through the forest and panting, it is so scary. And it opens like a lot of these movies do, where you see a girl get it in the beginning. It doesn't show much, and it doesn't show the beastly freak initially. Okay, but I will say, when you do see it, I was pretty pleased with it. Because, as you know, my belief is that part of what makes a beastly freak movie work is the way the animal looks, or the creature looks. This looks sort of humanoid, and so it stands up on two legs. And what's cool about that is, you know, when they see it, when you first see it from a slightly distant shot in the forest there, it kind of gives you that feel of a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, although its head doesn't look like that. But that's really freaky, and I actually felt a little bit scared. And it's rare for me to get scared in Beastly Freak movies, but this one made me feel scared. And there are some great jump scares because this thing is so scary and ferocious. There's one that'll just, like, knock you out of your chair. It's so effective. And this thing moves very agilely. It's very swift. It's very fast. And when it attacks, it just mauls people like nuts. And um, that's the coolest part. And if you look at the poster art, it's got all these teeth sticking out the front of it. And basically, it just puts you down on your back and just mauls out your guts and belly. It's just horrifying. And this thing has an insatiable appetite. So if I were to describe the head of it, it kind of looks like a giant rat or mole. 
And honestly, it's hard to even articulate it. It looks like a blend of so many other both imaginary creatures and real animals. It's just great creature design. Now, I won't say that it looks perfect, but it looks pretty good. And then in about 25 minutes into the film is when they get holed up in this cabin. And so it does, it turns into a siege narrative, which you all know I love. And this creature is intelligent or something because it keeps testing the cabin for weaknesses. So you've got that element where the monster outside is always trying to get inside and breach like a velociraptor or something. Anyways, they come up with these options, which is to hide from the creature, which doesn't work well out in the forest because it finds them, to run from the creature, but it's pretty fast, or to kill the creature, which is very difficult to do. And so I love when you have um, that sequence of events. Maybe that's something we didn't talk about in our, our siege narrative episode, but it usually comes down to hide from it or run from it. Sometimes those are interchanged, and then they decide to face it and kill it. Now, this movie reminds me a lot of a film, I think it was from 2010, another Beastly Freak movie called Bear, which is just about this grizzly bear. It's kind of the same thing, it attacks people in the forest. And that wasn't a great film, but what made that so fun, and I love the Bear movie, is that there were revelations that came out among the group, because you know there's always infighting. There are revelations that came out in the bear movie that were pretty crazy right well this has that same kind of thing you get some huge shocks in this movie through the characters like through revelations and then there are also some character actions that are just crazy shocking and insane you will love it this movie's awesome there's a stinger at the end so wait around after the credits anyway I just want to tell you, this movie is an 8 out of 10 for me. It's a strong rental. The only reason I'm not saying buy it for most people is because it's not a hugely rewatchable type of movie. Once you've seen it once, then you've seen it, you know. But I will say this, it's super enjoyable the first time. It actually might be a buy for somebody like me who loves Beastly Freaks. But I think for most horror fans listening to this, it'll just be a a one-time rental. So it's an 8 out of 10. And I will say, um, for those like Dr. Shock who like movie references and all that stuff, the girl that plays in this, uh, she's African American. Her, her name is Kiki Palmer. She plays the character Alyssa in this. And she actually was Akila from that movie Akila in the Bee from 2006. Just some random trivia there. She also sings the animal song in the end credits. Just wanted to throw that out there. Anyway, the film is called Animal. It is from 2014. It is a Beastly Freaks movie with a good Beastly Freak and a siege narrative. And it is directed by Brett Simmons. 8 out of 10. Definite rental. Trust Jay of the Dead. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. At this point in the show, I'm joined again by my co-host, Wolfman Josh. Hi, Josh. Hey. And we're welcoming back our friend and the host of the Dead is Hell horror podcast, One Sick Puppy. Welcome. Good evening. (laughs) Good evening, sir. Well, I've noticed that after your hiatus, One Sick Puppy, that you returned with a vengeance. You've been putting out all kinds of episodes over there, and you've even got a really nice contest going on for your listeners. Do you want to tell them about that? 
Absolutely. Thank you. It's a contest where we are trying to upgrade our equipment at the show, and we are seeking donations from the fans. It's not a Kickstarter sort of project. It's just a solicitation to the listeners. And if you donate $5 via PayPal at deadashellhp.com, you gain an entry to win the Friday the 13th 10-disc Blu-ray box set, and each $5 you donate is another entry into that random drawing, and it is a fantastic box set. It's got all the movies. It's got all the extras. It costs about 100 bucks, so you could possibly attain it for a $5 bill. <laughs> nice. Josh, are you going to enter? Maybe if I didn't have, already have those Blu-rays, I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna have to enter out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, that's a cool contest. I'm really impressed with your prize giveaway. So hopefully, people will check that out over at Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. All right, guys. Well, at this point, uh, let's move into our feature review of As Above, So Below, which is brand new in theaters this weekend. Here's the trailer. My name is Scarlett Marlowe, and I'm a student in urban archaeology. 370 feet beneath this point is a hidden chamber that might contain a critical missing piece of our history. How are we supposed to get down there? Catacombs. There are 200 miles of tunnels right underneath our feet. They're holding the remains of six million corpses. Stop. This is the empire of the dead. These are human bones. We go through here. Let's do it. As Above, So Below is directed by John Eric Dowdle, the same guy who directed the infamous Poughkeepsie Tapes. Have you guys seen that? Yes. Not yet, but it's on my list. Great movie. Is it? Okay, yeah. Dr. Shock and I have been wanting to talk about this um, Wolfman, so maybe one of these days in the near future we should get around to that. We need to do a Brothers Dowdle episode. Yeah, that's right. I love that you said Brothers Dowdle. Yeah, so this guy also directed Quarantine and Devil. And this movie stars the lovely... That's what they call themselves. They, he works in tandem with his brother. Uh, right. He's a writer, producer, and you know they kind of co-create the films together. Yes, yes. yeah. That, I like those little brother combinations. Josh, since you and I are so much like brothers, maybe we should make films together. That is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you would like... I don't think we do anything other than fight like brothers. Though. <laughs> you, you would literally kill me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a good movie. I think it helps um, if they have like similar tastes. Is is um, something I've heard like about the Coen Brothers? Is yeah. they have very similar tastes, and so it's very easy for them to communicate right uh, their vision. But um, <laughs> so far, we haven't agreed on it pretty much anything ever. So yeah, but you and I both like pizza. So well, I'm not a huge fan. Uh-uh. See, you're just <laughs> always wrong. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, so this movie stars the lovely Perdita Weeks, who is basically a young female Indiana Jones. And, so lovely. And she's picking up her father's life's work, trying to find the Philosopher's Stone. So just to clarify, this is not Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Or nor, Harry Potter. <laughs> nor is it Harry Potter. Thank you. This yeah. movie is as above, so below. And it's a found footage movie, you guys. It's shot under the guise that you have this documentarist who is making a film about these events. And so they're capturing everything that's happening. And as we see in the trailer, they're led to the catacombs beneath Paris, 
whose caves are the world's largest mass burial ground to the remains of six million people. So after an opening that resembles national treasure and the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> our heroine ends up in Paris and leads the team into this deep, dark depths of the earth, into these forbidden caves that are corridors to unthinkable evil. How's that premise? You nailed it right on the head, and that's pretty much all we can tell you without spoiling it. Exactly. So That's right. So, Josh, I mean, Wolfman, if you can't tell, my review is going to be filled with a little bit of contempt. So I'll kick it over to you, let you start off with your feelings about the movie, because I think you liked it a lot better than I did. I, I actually didn't pick that up from your tone, and maybe it's because I like you know these adventure films. <laughs> you know, I'm a, a fan of all things 80s, and one of the big genres that started in the 80s is kind of this adventure comedy and so stuff like indiana jones and the goonies and romancing the stone these were all huge movies for me growing up and uh and the brothers dowdle you know had talked about wanting to make a female india female indiana jones movie for quite some time and so um you know they got a call from the head at uh, legendary pictures and he said you know i would like it if you guys could think of something that takes place in the catacombs of paris and they they had already been working on this female indiana jones idea so they just married the two and and got pretty excited about that idea and it sounds super exciting to me too again because i love indiana jones i love i've I've visited only one set of catacombs in uh, rome but that was a really cool experience and a super creepy experience and um and as I think I mentioned on Movie Podcast Weekly recently, we also have tunnels all underneath uh, the city of Provo, um, Utah. And, mm-hmm. and so there are all these great tunnels that me and my friends used to explore in high school. So this is right up my alley. And, uh, and so, I, yeah, premise-wise, I was hooked instantly. I actually first heard about the movie driving through Hollywood, and there was this big like five-story poster that said, as above, so below. And I had just assumed that was the tagline of the movie. I thought, there's no way that's actually the name of the movie. But um, <laughs> but, but it's an amazing poster, first of all, especially at that size. And it's actually a pretty cool name for a movie as well. And it said, it said uh, search YouTube for Paris Catacombs. So I thought, ooh, that's, this looks great. So as soon as I got back to my hotel room, I did that. And there were all these awesome videos. Well, there, there were a couple that were kind of sponsored by the film, you know, obviously it was what they were intending, but there are also a bunch of great little YouTube documentaries about the Paris catacombs. And there's one in particular that is basically the same story <laughs> up until a certain point as, um, as the film. And, wow. uh, did you see that? No, I haven't. That's funny. It's, I mean, most of the stuff that happens in the setup of this film is 100% real. Uh, finding the local guy who knows his way around the catacombs, the entrance, they go through that train tunnel. It's the real train tunnel. And this film, they actually shot this in the Paris catacombs, six stories underground, places that could collapse, places that had collapsed, real underground water. And I felt that watching the movie. I felt extremely claustrophobic yeah. watching the movie. And I and I do have a bit of claustrophobia Um had a couple experiences caving where kind of got stuck, and um, you know I was a kid, but the, like I have nightmare, I have continued to have nightmares about getting stuck in caves and and tight spots, and so I was there was one scene in this movie where I was like I had to basically just close my eyes and breathe deeply, or else I probably would have <laughs> hyperventilated. Thankfully, the whole movie isn't like that, but yeah, I mean it, it, I feel like it was extremely effective in uh, in creating that 
um, claustrophobia. I will say the horror elements are pretty confused yeah. um, in terms of you don't really get a lot of clarity or answers um, as to what exactly is going on. But in terms of just, uh, you know, your basic scares and having kind of a fun adventure story, I, I had a blast the whole time. It doesn't hold up quite as well when I sit back and say, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? But I had a great visceral experience watching this. Okay. What do you say, One Sick Puppy? What do you think of it? I think this movie seriously, uh, psychologically <laughs> scarred me. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the movie, but at the end of it, I was completely disoriented to the point that I just had to sit through the credits and and try to regain my bearings. And <laughs> I wanted to get home as soon as possible. I came home. I took a nap. I had one of the most twisted surreal dreams i've had in <laughs> ages the paris catacombs are like they say in the movie there's like 200 miles of these catacombs but only one mile of that is open to the public and you go down it's like a hundred and something stairs to go down and uh it takes 45 minutes to go through and then you come up like 83 stairs to, to get out and uh you know, I don't know how much of the how far off the beaten path they got to go to make this, but um, the writing for the buildup of this movie was amazing. As far as like uh, Josh was saying, the realism of what was going on and the the pseudo history that was there. Uh, Nicholas Vermeil actually was a guy that lived in the. 13 and 1400s but he became a sort of mythical person in the 1700s and was attributed uh some accomplishments in alchemy that weren't mentioned in his lifetime so as far as the actual premise and building this on alchemy it just blew my mind i was i was so engrossed in the the backstory on this and I thought the actors did a really good job. Oh, so good. Towards the end of the movie, I felt like there should have been more terror, but I also thought there should have been more movie because <laughs> some of the elements that were introduced were, I say this and not as a pun, but it was left unexplored. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we see the stuff and you are actually – you know, running through this experience with them, and it's uh, it's not tied up in a nice, neat little bow. And when right. you get to the end of the movie, you are really left with, or I was left with the feeling of what the hell just happened. And I continued to have thoughts afterwards about you know where the sequel could go, and uh, I, I just I'm fascinated by this this uh, premise. And I am 100% going to buy this DVD and watch it some more and try to figure out exactly what happened because I don't believe anybody can sit down in one viewing and completely grasp this concept. Now, just to speak to what you were saying about the filming, um, they mostly filmed in areas that the public um, isn't allowed to go in or isn't nor – typically allowed to go in they said the two most difficult places to get entrance to were actually the main public area because they had to shut it down to film in there and also um the part that goes underwater because that's a, a place that's usually illegal to right. go into and said so those two spots were really difficult um, but those were used less than the main area um 
where they shot like 80% of the movie that was, again, six stories underground. Um, where well, I did good. some uh, some uh, uh, research last year on urban exploration. It's something I hadn't really heard of. And it is actually seriously dangerous to <laughs> go into these locations and yeah. look around and go through this water and the dust and, and these tight spaces. And it's... I mean, it's every bit as dangerous as they made it out to be in the movie. People can die just by their their lights running out, just like they mentioned yeah. in the movie. And But you end up in some fantastic places. And if you search the Internet, you can find some of the most amazing photography from these explorers. Yeah. I mean, it's a real subculture, and they take this seriously. And they, you know, the, the ones that do it right, they, there are so many preparations you have to make to go down there it's it's really fascinating i don't have the balls to do it but it's actually something that i'm super into in my personal life not as much the underground stuff although i do like that as well um but since i've had kids but just like exploring old buildings that have been shut down and areas there's a awesome place in la that's seriously one of the coolest places i've ever been in um where they actually filmed some of um scott derrickson's last film but it's this abandoned zoo la zoo and that is like one of the coolest places ever uh to go <clears throat> explore but uh horror movie podcast is not in any way uh, condone or promote urban exploration because it is dangerous <laughs> and often illegal <laughs> yes yes well you, you could die <laughs> Well, you guys, um, you could knock me over with a feather right now, <laughs> I have to tell you. Uh, boy, I thought this was going to be an easy review, but you two are going to make it hard for me, I can tell. Uh, okay. No, 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 no. You're going to make it hard on yourself. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> First of all, okay, I, I will give you that the, uh, the setting, like the location is great, and the premise is great, but man, there are so many things I hated and I and I, I'm not saying that word lightly I hated about this movie like first of all let's talk about the found footage okay the shaky cam in this is even worse than what we see in Cloverfield there was a, there was a scene you love found footage I do love found footage but um Cloverfield is like the limit of shaky cam until I, I start having trouble tolerating it well this movie actually exceeds what Cloverfield does. There's one example, there's this one scene, and I noted it, where the action has stopped, the people are pretty much stationary, and they're still waving the camera around, moving <laughs> it across the screen. There's no action to follow or anything. And it, so e either this documentarian in the film, Benji, either he's the worst DP ever, <laughs> or this film just appears to have shaky cam for the sake of having shaky cam. Okay, well, I it will swaps say back and forth between his camera and the cameras that they're wearing on their heads. I will also say um, every found footage movie has this problem. It's something I always talk about that always drives me nuts is when, you know, the cameras don't necessarily replicate what, you know, would really be going on in this kind of situation. But I would say this is actually one of the better. I would say this is like a top five found footage in terms of the way uh, the camera work is portrayed in this movie. Wow. Now, see, listeners, I'm just trying to get, reach the listeners right now. I'm trying to reach out to them. I love found footage. I'm one of the few people in the world, it feels like, who loves it. But man, this one did not work for me at all because when action was happening, it's one of those situations where, you know, it's so chaotic and the camera is so all over the place. You can't even perceive what's going on. Well, you know, Jay, again, I, and I, you know, and 
I know you hate this kind of stuff because it's outside the bounds of the film you're watching, but I really appreciate um, the process by which these movies are made. And if you watch this documentary, and it's really, it's only like a 15-minute little spot um, that's on YouTube if you uh, if you YouTube search Paris Catacombs. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's pulled from like a like an Unsolved Mysteries or something type of show, but it has a documentarian and uh, a camera, a video camera was found in the Paris Catacombs. Uh, you know, somebody had been exploring and they just found this dead camera down there. So they bring it up. It's actually found footage, right? And it, um, <laughs> it shows this, you know, light is on and the camera's, you know, just this POV walking through the catacomb shot. And it goes on for like 40 minutes and then the guy starts to panic and he starts breathing really heavily and walking faster and then he starts um, running and then at one point, he just drops the camera on the ground, and you see his feet run off into the darkness, and then the camera just just rolls until it runs out of batteries. Mm-hmm. And they never they were never never able to figure out who that guy was, if he survived, or, or anything about it. And that you know, and so in this documentary, they're going into the Paris catacombs to see if they can find this guy. And so they they find a, a local guy who's supposedly the best local person at you know knowing his way around the catacombs. They go through an illegal entry in a train tunnel and they start looking for these symbols on the walls that are leading them to, you know, and there are spray painted symbols that are leading them um, on the same path that this guy is going on, trying to find this guy's body or see if he's still alive down there underground. And um, basically every minute of this 15 minute documentary is repurposed for this movie, which to me just adds so much to the uneasy feeling that I had watching the film. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and it helped that I knew all this before I saw the movie. Yeah. But, um, man, I was just freaking out. And and I texted you, actually, when I got out. I've never been so glad to be outside. <laughs> just looking up at the sky and breathing in deep the air, I just felt so good <laughs> to be out at night. Like, <laughs> I love that. Well, I didn't know about that uh, documentary on YouTube, but uh, I, I really thought that the – cameras in this i know what you're saying about the chaos and the the tight shots and everything but it seemed really realistic to me i mean they were actually in that space and they were actually you know clumped up and and trying to get through here there were scenes where it's just exactly what it would be like i i think they duplicated the experience as closely as they could in a film yeah well i appreciate that and the thing is i'm a man who loves realism but still it, it, at some point you also got to consider your audience as a filmmaker right you got to keep the audience in on the experience as well and i do think that it's a fine line so i i, I realize that i'm you know it's a difficult one to write and i actually prefer that too because there's so many films where it's so obvious that they're framing up the shot and in reality and we always complained about that jason you complained about that so much during the paranormal activity for uh <laughs> review about how oh why would he be holding the camera like that if this was really happening you know so like <laughs> right you, they can't really win in this kind of situation yeah it's a, it's a fine line for sure okay well how about this M- moving away from found footage what about all the expositional mumbo-jumbo? Like, this is one of those movies where you have characters constantly uh, explaining to us and, and, and to each other this exposition for the audience's benefit. And it's, it's stuff that's like all this complex lore, these various, like, meanings. And it's the worst kind for me because in this particular film, 
you know, the, our protagonist, the Scarlet character, she always knows exactly what she needs to know in the minute that she needs to know it. They figure it out under pressure, then they explain things. It's like, push the seventh stone and then you'll open this trap door. And it's like, well, how do I, how did she know not to count seven from the top instead of counting up seven stones from the bottom? They showed that. They showed they exactly how they it. came to that conclusion. I, I know, but it's like, okay, she knows everything about everything that pertains to She's been to studying this for years. Stuff. Her dad is the she's guy. She's got four who's degrees. Like foremost expert in the top. And she's got her dad's book, just like your favorite movie, Last Crusade. I this know. Is no different than Indiana that, Jones. See, that's not a compliment, though, in a horror movie. It's like, I don't want Indiana Jones in my horror movie. Like, oh, that, that was. Give me an Indiana Jones horror movie. That was blatant, and it was a, such a ripoff. Like, she's a professor, just like Indy. I mean, you said it in the beginning. They wanted to base her off Indy, and it was so obvious. But, um, I mean, that took away a lot for me because when. When they know exactly what's going on and they explain, this is this thing, and, and, and it's like, yeah, this supernatural stuff, how do you know all these explanations and how it's to It's a complex it? story, Jason. I mean, like, it would be so much less interesting, I think, if, um, you know, they were just bumbling around in the dark and all this stuff was happening. I think, to me, that yeah. adds a lot. And if anything, <laughs> honestly, this is my honest, like, how I felt walking out of the movie. I wish there had been more of that stuff. Oh, I wow. wish have, the whole thing yeah, had been absolutely. like an Indiana Jones puzzle. <laughs> But with horror, but with horror elements, you know. You have an intelligent, educated woman, well prepared to go down and take care of this business. She's got. She <laughs> says at the beginning, she's got like four degrees. Uh, she no, she's she got like she speaks four languages uh, and two dead languages. Yes, and she's continuing her father's work. She's researched this for years. How would she – it wouldn't make sense if she went down there and was like, oh, what's this? And how do we do this? I don't know what to do. And her knowledge was supplemented by her friend who she went and secured as an expert in the things she didn't know. She had it all together. <laughs> I, don't, Jason, I don't understand. Oh, something we always talk about are strong female characters. And yes. that's a really tricky thing to get right because, you know, the – the obvious like Hollywood way post Ripley is you just make the, you know, the character that could have been a man, you make it a woman and that's kind of false. And that's something that like feminist, like modern feminists kind of kick against is that idea that like a strong woman is just a woman that acts like a man. And I think this movie actually gets it really right. She maintains her femininity. Mm -hmm. She's like still a woman. She's not acting like a man, but she's a very, very strong as, as once I put already said, just a really strong, smart woman. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and actually Susie, the other char female character in this, as well, I just feel like this is these are such great female characters that you rarely get to see in movies. I like them. I do. I, I liked Perdita Weeks a lot as Scarlet. Tremendous. Okay, well, let me ask you guys this, though. What about this? It started to seem like we were watching a haunted house, like a fake haunted house like you would go to on Halloween. This movie looks like they're filming inside a haunted house. You know, they walk into a room and then you see these beings or whatever walking around and then all of a sudden they start running and screaming and I'm like this is like watching a haunted house movie <laughs> like did you guys get that feeling because I, I didn't see it I didn't see it like that that's what I was talking about where the movie could have been longer mm -hmm. and I would have liked to have seen more explanation of things like that but at the same time if they had done that 
it would have been just like all those other movies. So it's it's much more interesting as far it's easier to do in writing to leave things to the imagination. And I would like to see an extended cut, you know, that that of stuff that probably was never written or filmed. But I can I can see from your viewing experience how jaded you are about this movie, how you would interpret it that way. Yeah. But I found that uh, only partially true, and I found it interesting. Okay. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you guys like this so much. I'll give you some good points, just so you don't feel like I'm a big jerk all the time. Like you already referred to the scene with the filmmaker in the tight place, then how claustrophobic that is. That's tremendous. Um, the weird people singing down there in the cave. I mean, there's a, like a singing scene that's awesome. Um, there are a couple falls involved in this that are pretty thrilling. I actually winced. That was probably like the scariest moments in there for me. There's a, a pretty violent scene that's really kind of shocking and quick that's um, injury to a head, we'll say serious head trauma, that's, <laughs> that, that's pretty, uh, pretty um, you know, that gets your attention. And then um, there's a moment of crawling on the belly, and the dialogue that, was, um, that went along with that was actually pretty, pretty cool. So there, are, def- yeah, there yeah. are definitely really good moments in the film. But then as the trailer showed you guys, like, you've got a piano down there, and you've got other... Th- household items that end up down there that it's like that shouldn't be down here it's very flatliners it's basically exactly (laughs) flatliner good point these people are in this situation and it's tight and enclosed and they're under pressure and it evokes memories and emotions that they have felt before I think just as in Flatliners, they're kind of experiencing their own personal version of hell. And so, they, you know, they, the scares that they're experiencing are kind of based on their own psychology to a large degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what, what about that? Okay, uh, we got to start wrapping up soon. But I just want to – sorry I'm asking you guys so many questions. But uh, I won't reveal anything about the ending. But I just have to say this is not an ending to a horror movie at all. I'm like, is this a horror movie or not? Because that is not a horror movie ending. Did you guys like the ending? Yes. I loved it. But you're right. You're right. It's not, I didn't, I did not anticipate the ending. I thought it could only end one way, but it's actually makes it a completely unique found footage movie if this doesn't give it completely away at this point. But it's unlike any other found footage movie for that reason, I would say. Okay. And it's, it's a wide, wide open door as far as I really want to know where the story goes from there. Because the way I interpreted it, there is just a massive next scene, and it's yeah. fantastic. Right. I and, mean, you know, there was, um, there was a certain sound effect that kept repeating during the film. Did you guys pick up on that? And they referenced it earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. I think I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And she used it when she used a tool that she thought like incorrectly, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's going to have major ramifications if there were, were to be a sequel to this movie. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, I'll let you guys have the final word since you like it so much. Here's my rant. And then I hope the listeners will trust here. First of all, it just bugs me so much how much it draws upon so many other non-horror movies. The only horror-related movie I really felt like, besides Flatliners, that was a good point. I didn't even think of that. 
But it also reminds me a little bit of The Evil, which uh, our buddy Scott Teal, who's a listener, he'll know what I'm talking about there. Anyway, well, it's got some Event Horizon in it. It's got some yeah. shot. You could say even The Shining. There's a bit of that in it. There's um, you know, there's there's a few horror touchstones. I think if you're okay. Well, the scariest thing about my movie going experience to see as above, so below was when I lost my wallet in the theater because it fell out of my shorts pocket. And that was the only time that I got my heart rate up in this movie. (laughs) I think this movie is tiresome. It was irritating. And it was an unpleasant experience for me. I didn't think it was fun to watch. It's the shakiest sort of found footage. Maybe the shakiest found footage movie I've seen. Oh, come on. What's shakier than this? I just feel like there's a ton that are as shaky as this. Uh, well, name, I mean, honestly, like it's more shaky than Cloverfield. And I don't think that's true, and that's saying something. I, I don't, I hate, I don't like Clo- <clears throat> Cloverfield, and I don't. So, like to me, that doesn't register as a. Well, watch it again. It's pretty shaky, but man, this is even worse. And and there are relatively few monster type moments in it. Like there are one or two jump scares that are that work but you know they're coming all along so it's not like anything surprising or new and I, again guys i think my the reason you said i'm jaded one sick puppy and i think you're right i'm sick to death of supernatural horror movies it seems like every wide release horror movie that plays in theaters is primarily supernatural in some way I just wish they'd give us a traditional slasher flick or a beastly freak or a vampire flick that's not action horror. And, um, you know, this might be an unfair statement, but I, I don't know. I'm wondering if a lot of the horror filmmakers today, this obviously they're probably younger. I assume most of them are younger. It seems like they're regurgitating the modern horror that's sub subpar and derivative in the first place. It's, uh, it's like they're making copies of a copy where the original copy wasn't even very good in the first place. So you're pissed <clears throat> off that this movie wasn't something that you knew it wasn't before you bought your ticket. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you in general, like why is every single movie that's in theaters wide release? Why are they all supernatural horror? I mean, I it did, comes in waves. You know that I do know that, but I'm telling you like it, it's not working like the box office isn't that great on so many of these movies that we've seen lately it's like come on guys let's do something different it's driving me nuts i I mean if there's a bunch of failures there will be but paranormal activity yeah completely revitalized horror after the torture porn era so it's gonna change again whenever the next new thing comes out I, I just, you'll, then you'll be sick of that one too. No, no, I, I, I can't <laughs> wait for it because, like, I mean, I just—it feels like they're not learning from the classic films. They're not going back to Hitchcock and seeing how suspense should be built up, where you have something genuinely horrific at the end, like, and we see in Psycho, for example, the way that film is built is great. But no, we get cheap jump scares, and it's just boring to me. So. See, now you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're, t- you're saying that this movie draws on so many other movies that it's, you know, you're not happy about that, but then you want them to go back and draw on other movies. Yeah, you're, no, you, no, no, you no. can't have it both no, ways. No, we got to clarify. I don't want a ripoff of Indiana Jones movie, you know, put to horror. I want, I want somebody learning from that's Hitchcock. That's so much more interesting than something that's been done a trillion. Everybody's ripped off Hitchcock. Well, no, I'm not talking about actually doing his plots. I'm talking about doing his techniques for generating suspense. I know, but I'm just saying, like that. That to me, the Indiana Jones 
ish element breathes fresh life into the story. Like it adds something that no other horror movies really have, you know? Yeah. And I think you're overstating it as well. It, it wasn't, you know, she didn't have a hat and a whip and there wasn't a big rolling stone or there were no natives. You know, she, it never never feels like Indiana Jones. It just has so many. Only thing that you can compare this to Indiana Jones is you've got a strong character who is well versed in, in the lore of what they are seeking. And other than that, it's it's not Indiana Jones. Oh, oh my they have goodness. their dad. They have their dad's diary. Yeah, there's well. a there's a Grail diary. They encounter um, something in one of the tombs that really reminds. There are tests they have to get by. Um, I mean, there, it is so parallel to Last Crusade. It's not even funny. They need to like write them a check for how much they ripped off. I think, but I think that's what's great about it. But see, to me, that's cheesy, and it like it taints it. Even though I love. I mean, that's my Desert Island movie is Last Crusade. So, I mean. But and you love horror movies, so why wouldn't you love the That's the worst of the horror? Indiana Jones movies, <laughs> by the way. Incorrect. Incorrect. Anyway. That's conversation. Sorry. I'm, gonna, I, I'm sorry. I got to be faster. It's my fault. Um, so, anyway, this is, um, I, I tell you the truth, Josh, we, we reviewed earlier in this episode that little indie film, Sacrament. I actually liked, enjoyed Sacrament more than this. And you'll remember I rated that one a 4.5 out of 10. This movie to me is is terrible. It's a 2.5 out of 10. It's a total avoid. And um, I'll, I'll sum it up here. There's a line in the movie that I think really captures how I felt as I left the theater and saw the next poor slobs going in. And it was, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, because this is weak. Anyway, what do you say, Josh? What's your rating? I mean, I would agree with you that it wasn't a pleasant watching experience, and that's what I liked about it. Like The Shining, I think the point of this movie is to feel oppressive and to feel uh, heavy. And and I felt I felt the catacombs every moment that I was inside them. I felt tense. I felt anxious. Um, it maybe wasn't a Hitchcockian tension, but I I was definitely tense the entire time. The movie's big faults are that. It, doesn't really tie up all of the loose ends that it opens. Um, and I feel like it could have, you know, that would have helped the film. And um, as once like Peppy said, it's not as terrifying as it could be. So as a horror movie, I don't know, maybe, maybe it fails in some degree, but it's just a really fun movie. And I love the injection of horror into, yeah, what is like kind of an adventure movie plot. And I love the setting. I love that they actually filmed in that place, to me, that adds a huge level of terror just for the safety of the actors and the crew for me. And um, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was an incredible experience. Um, it's got, you know, it's got some filmic weaknesses. If you don't like shaky, if shaky cam, quote unquote, bothers you, yeah, you're not going to love this. If you're not a fan of found footage, you may have, you may struggle with this. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an uber fan of found footage. And to me, this is in one of the top five uh, found footage movies of all time. And I would give this a eight and I say, see it in the theater. If you, you know, if you don't get motion sick, um, I would say avoid this if you get claustrophobic really easily. And I'm going to definitely buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Eight theater. Buy it. That's what Josh says. What do you say? One sick puppy. This movie was awesome. Jay is wrong on every (laughs) single point that he made. Don't listen to what he said. If you do, you're going to miss out on an incredible movie. It's really well written. It's really well acted. The shaky cam and the, uh, all the shots in this movie are super realistic. This is as close to having this adventure as you can possibly get from a chair. 
Yes. And it's just the, the lore and the history in this is fascinating. And there were things that I would have liked to have seen expanded on. And for that reason, I'm only going to give it a nine. But I will absolutely buy this as soon as I can get my hands on it. If you can see it in the theater, see it in the theater. If you get woozy with shaky cam, take a Dramamine and go see it in the theater. I've told you that before, Jay. Take a Dramamine before you go see these movies. But this is absolutely a fantastic movie. You cannot miss it. Don't listen to Jay. Wow. I, I'm just I'm just astonished right here, you guys. I can't believe how high you guys came in on this. I, I can't wait for the listeners to let us know what they think, if they see it. I mean, I assume they'll see it. We all we tend to see horror films if they're in the theaters, right? So I can't wait till they weigh in and tell us their thoughts. But I'll... I'll I'll say that this isn't a – I'll let you have your final word there on that. I just want to say I'll make it up to the listeners. If you want a decent movie about tunnels beneath the city streets, instead of wasting your time with this, you should check out Creep from 2004 by Christopher Smith. Um, we reviewed it on the weekly horror movie podcast episode 9. For me, that is a definite rental. It's like a 5.5, but it's way better. In the I thought you were going to say Chud. No, 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 no. This is called Creep from 2004. Definitely check it out. So, anyway, that's not the one with Pink in it, is it? I don't remember if Pink is in it. That doesn't ring a bell, though. I hope not. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think so. But it seems like I would remember that. But all right, this movie actually messed with my head, and I'm so serious. Yes, yeah. I felt it's, physically uncomfortable during it's, several. It's parts. really, really twisted. It's it's worth it, especially if you're a writer of any sort or a storyteller. You need to see this movie or an adventure. If you like the idea of doing some urban exploration, to me, this is just a fun time. Yes, if you're a writer, see this movie so you can see how not to write. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. All right. Well, so take the advice of the of the uh, so above or as above so below marketing campaign and search YouTube for Paris catacombs. And there's one video in particular I would recommend. It's called "Man Gets Lost in the Catacombs of Paris." Um, it's a two-parter. The whole thing's about 15 minutes, and you'll see basically where they got the entire idea for this. And you'll see as you watch this true life story how obvious a horror adaptation is and how perfect it is for. A horror uh, premise. Okay, I'll link that in the show notes. And yeah, you always got to be impressed with movies. That you got to watch supplemental material in order to appreciate them more, right, Josh? I knew that you would complain about that, but it still doesn't make it any less enjoyable. It's amazing. It's fun. I'm just. It's messing. never a horror movie podcast review unless I leave wanting to kill Jay. <laughs> That's right. Well, you have to take a number and get in line, buddy. Because yeah. that's a long line, and, right. and my wife is at the front of it. I'll tell you that much. I'm just kidding. Josh is second. Anyways, I want to thank you for coming, One Sick Puppy from Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. Um, we're glad you're here, buddy. Um, tell the listeners in, any plugs you have before you take off. 
Well, hopefully I will be back on Horror Movie Podcast sooner than I was this time. Uh, I've got uh, new episodes coming out every Sunday. And this week I am actually hooking up with Chris Excess and Dave from DVD Infatuation for Rob Zombie Volume 2, where we're going to be talking about House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. We have added an anime segment with... uh, Lady, you can follow on Twitter under Typical Lydia, and we have a co-host that's working with me now, and you can follow her on Twitter at uh, Shanny Dreadful, C-H-A-N-N-Y Dreadful, and I have my fiction guy going, DK Ryan, and the show is growing and uh, getting some positive feedback, and it's, it's just getting to be a whole lot of fun. All right, buddy. We'll link it in the show notes. Thanks for being here, and thanks, Wolfman Josh, for taking the time. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay, before we wrap up, I just want to take a moment real quick and just recognize our uh, friend and listener, Dino. Uh, He made a very generous donation to Horror Movie Podcast, and I'll tell you what, that has helped out a lot with this um, October content that we're putting up for our Halloween special. So I just want to thank Dino so much for that. We really appreciate you. I also want to let um, the listeners know, I'm sure most people are already aware of it, but the dude has been writing actual movie reviews of horror movies and putting them in the comments and it's really awesome because um first of all he does a great job and then the other thing is is he's got some deep cuts he's talking about some rare horror flicks so make sure that you're checking out the comments i mean we always have great feedback from the horror movie podcast community but just make sure you're looking for the dude's movie reviews we really appreciate his work there so thank you guys for your contributions we really appreciate it Okay, well, that just about wraps up episode 24 of Horror Movie Podcast. I know it was short. I'm sorry about that. But like we said, it'll all pay off in October, I promise. But we do thank you for listening and thanks for sticking with us even through the thin times. Thick and thin. We'd like to thank our buddy One Sick Puppy for joining us as our guest host there. You can check him out at Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. He has a fun show over there. And we just want you to know that you're welcome to continue leaving comments, um, get involved in our horror movie podcast community, and just keep them coming. You can leave a comment in the show notes or email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all our episodes, including the weekly horror movie podcast and Horror Metropolis at our site, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. And you can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. I'll have all that linked in the show notes, as well as the way you can follow my friends here. We got Dr. Shock. You can follow him on Twitter at DVD Infatuation. And make sure you check out his website, which is DVDInfatuation.com. And remember, in October, you're going to get 31 Days of Horror with Dr. Shock. So every single day in October, you'll get a new movie review of a horror movie that's from 2000 or later. 
very cool. Wolfman Josh, you can follow him on Twitter at Icarus Arts. And he is also over on Movie Podcast Weekly with me. We fight like cats and dogs over there, so check it out. And uh, I think that's it for episode 24. So we thank you for listening and join us again in two weeks for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. <laughs>